Bulldog fans, rodeo season is here. I tried the Dixie National Rodeo. Get ready to roll, man. And uh, I remember being a kid, that was like the biggest highlight for us. My grandmother would get us tickets every year, and me and my brother would wear our cowboy outfits. We'd put our boots on, have our chaps, our vest, and we'd go up there, and just in case one of the cowboys got a little bit scared to get on a horse or a bull, we were willing to do it. Yeah, for sure. Guys, boots aren't just for going out to a country western bar and doing a little boot scooting. Maybe you got a little Texas two-step in your game. Tacovas can make you look better than ever. Absolutely. And here's the deal, too. That's the thing. The versatility of Tacovas is you can wear them somewhere nice or you can live life where you don't go gently. That's what Tacovas does for you. Yeah, it's a rugged, handsome boot. It's my favorite boot brand, and it should be yours, too. Be sure and check them out. Tacovas believes in Western for all people, and you can feel that when you go into their stores, when you walk in, you'll be greeted like family, offered a boot shine and a drink, and maybe even an adult beverage if you prefer, and you can get custom fitted for a new pair of Tacovas boots. You can get custom leather stamping or branding, whatever you need to make it feel somewhat individual. Look up your closest store at tecovis.com. But if you can't make it to a store, Tecovis delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And you know what, partner? Point your toes west. Today's podcast is brought to you by Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast. What's the best way to help you and your finances thrive? The answer can be overwhelming with all the financial misinformation out there. Fortunately, you can turn to Nerd Wallet's objective finance journalists to set things straight and help you make smart decisions with your own money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bill so I don't dread April every single year, managing finances with a partner without causing a breakup, putting away more money for retirement since I'm not going to do this podcast forever. Sorry, folks. And also boosting my credit score since good credit is like a real-life cheat code. Saving for an emergency fund because life is like a good movie. It loves a good plot twist. The nerds also explain the real impact that the latest financial headlines could have on your life. Weekly financial check-ins with smart money help you spend more time doing what matters and less time worrying about what doesn't. Let NerdWallet's trusted experts untangle today's web of financial misinformation Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the hump day edition of The Yard. One day closer to college football season, one day closer to Mississippi State football. This weekend, of course, as you guys are aware, there will be a handful of games just enough to kind of whet the appetite. The big one, of course, I think uh, everybody would agree, Miami and Florida. Former Mississippi State head coach Dan Mullen will take on former Mississippi State defensive coordinator Manny Diaz. Kind of interesting, the the Dan Mullen coaching tree kind of uh, pairing up here will be very interesting. I am pulling for Miami, to be honest. I, I really would like to see Miami win the game. Really like Manny Diaz. You know, not that I've got anything against anybody else, but uh, I, I don't know. I just, I just, I kind of, I want to see Manny do really well. One of the things I'll share with you guys, and I, I didn't want to get too wrapped up in this today, but uh, so when Manny was here, 
his son, Little Manny, played baseball with my son, Ian. And uh, Manny and I kind of ended up coaching the team because uh, we, we had a coach, but uh, he had some other obligations at times and uh, couldn't be there. And so Manny would get off practice from Mississippi State and uh, and come over to the baseball yard and uh, sometimes help coaching games and we certainly helped in practices. And uh, so it, it was nice to be able to see, you know, Coach Diaz in the dad role. You know, it was, it was just a different deal. And having spent some time with him and kind of getting to know his value system and kind of how he sees life, it makes him a very easy guy to cheer for. And you know what a great job he did with the 2010 defense. You know, he came back a second time. Things weren't exactly the same. But uh, I think a lot of Manny Diaz. And one of the things that Manny told me some time ago, and this is before uh, Central Florida kind of took off under Scott Frost, is that Manny, Manny said, you know, Steve, that's a job one day that I, I think would be a really good one. It's, I think Central Florida is a sleeping giant because of their huge student body. Uh, the fact they're in Orlando, so that there's a great natural recruiting footprint there. And so he said, you know, that, that would be a job that would be great. And, and I think, while he didn't come out and say it, I kind of got the feeling he was thinking about his own career path, thinking, you know, if I could ever get that job, and kind of build that thing up and kind of, you know, tap into maybe some of that uh, untapped potential that uh, I could kind of get on the fast track of something bigger. And uh, it worked out for him. You know, he, he got the bypass that, that uh, G5 head coaching job, and now he's the head coach of Miami. And when he left here the second time, if you if you recall when he came in, he said he wasn't leaving again for a head coaching position. But And I remember he, he texted me. Uh, after he accepted the defensive coordinator job at Miami. And he goes, hey, man, I, I know this looks really bad after some of the things that I said, but this is a chance for, for me to go home. This is a chance for me to take my family home. It's a chance for my boys to have a chance to play Little League Baseball with their grandparents in the stand. It's a chance for, for my family to kind of reunite. And, uh, and, you know, and while there were some people that were, you know, unbelievably critical of Manny and, 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 on its face, you know, Manny was a little bit hypocritical. He said, "Listen, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to leave here except for head coaching position. I've learned my lesson." But he did. But I think, in hindsight, when you look at that, I think all of us would kind of feel the same way. If you had a chance to go home and and stay in your own line of work and and not have a uh, you know huge step back you know from a compensation standpoint, I think any of us would do that. So I really wish Manny well. I, I really do. I I hope that Manny returns the U uh, to what it once was. I, I, I really do. I think Miami is good for college football. You know, when, when some of the Blue Bloods are down, you know, Texas is one. I don't know, people, you know, it's a big thing, you know, on our beat, people always say Texas is back. I don't know that Texas is back. But I think, you know, in order for college football to really be the sport that we want it to be, we need the Florida schools to be good. Yeah, I don't know that we need them to be great. But uh, we need the Florida schools to be good. I think that adds a lot of intrigue to Saturday. And, and I'm glad to see that, uh, you know, Miami is scheduling these uh, games with Florida. You know, I think it's big. But anyway, I spent a lot of time talking about that. But uh, that, that'll be the big game this week, and, and, and uh, hopefully we can all gather somewhere at some uh, local water hole and watch that game and enjoy uh, college football coming back. And then we'll be getting ready to go next week. And high school football begins in Mississippi this week. We'll talk about some of that on Friday. I want to thank our good friends, 
Stan Ray, Miss Kathy Brown, the lovely, talented Susie, everybody that runs a show down there at Campus Bookmart. Uh, I want to let you guys know, too, yesterday, uh, one of our longtime Boneyard listeners, uh, Blake Dees, contacted me and said, Hey, Steve, listen, I'm trying to get outfitted for the season. I, I, I'm, I'm taking your advice. I want to be able to wear some new threads when State opens the season, uh, the, home, the, the home opener against Southern Miss. I, I, I don't want to wear... You know, the same shirts I wore last year, I might run into somebody and I want to look fresh. And maybe that's not exactly what Blake said, but but I'm trying to help him a little bit here. So he gets online and he's ordering his shirts and uh, the promo code didn't work. We got that fixed though. If you want to be like Blake, and you should, because Blake's a good dude. If you want to be like Blake, go order, order yourself some new clothes. Order some for your family. Order some for the kids. Everybody wants to wear that new Mississippi State shirt, and you can go find that at campusbookmart.net and use promo code BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And that'll get you free shipping on all orders over $50. Any order less than 50 bucks, absolutely incomplete. Our top story today, which seems kind of odd right here, uh, you know, 10 days away from uh, Mississippi State playing college football, but we had some very unexpected but welcome news last night. Mississippi State women's basketball announces that uh, Jordan Danbury has been granted an additional year of eligibility. How about that? We did not see that coming. Now, our good friend Robbie Falk uh, shared with me yesterday that he had kind of heard some rumblings that we might be able to get a waiver. And, of course, a lot of this is in hindsight, of course. He said, hey, I heard they were going to apply for a waiver. Didn't think anything would come of it. Well, something has come of it. Uh, Vic Schaefer, again, once again, you know, Vic Schaefer just knows how to manage his roster, man. It is incredible. And so, and one of the things I want to share, too, there are a lot of people that are, that are you know, unbelievably critical of some of our people at Mississippi State, some of the people that work very, 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 very hard for your Bulldogs. There are a lot of people behind the scenes, people in compliance, there are people in administration of the athletic department. You know, they're never going to be recognized at halftime of a football game. Okay, and, and even if they were, you wouldn't know who they were. They, they would not get this rousing uh, applause that, say, student-athletes do. But their role in this process is invaluable. And so all of this kind of dates back to people say, well, Steve, how could this be? If she went through senior day last year, and that's true. At issue here is her sophomore year at, at Arkansas. And she played in six games that year. And if you recall, you know, she, she transferred mid-year. And then had to sit out, but uh, but her sophomore year had been counted uh, against her four years of eligibility. Played in just six games, averaged 4.7 points and 3.8 rebounds, and uh, had 10 points against Yale Monroe. Then she comes to Mississippi State, and then plays as a junior. And uh, that's the one thing too, if you remember, you know, she really kind of came on late for us. You know, I remember her play in the. Uh, in the national championship game, and I really I remember thinking to myself, we're going to win this game because of Jordan Danbury. I mean, her and uh, Rashonda. I mean, it, it just seemed like every time there was a loose ball on the floor, Jordan Danbury got to it. And then she comes back last year, and Coach Schaefer calls her the second point guard on the team. Might be a little different deal this year. She might be the point guard on the team. Looking at some numbers here. Uh, for last year for, for Jordan Danbury. And remember, remember this, 
Jordan Danbury has won two consecutive regular season SEC championships at Mississippi State. And there are a lot of people out there that say, hey, it's going to be State or South Carolina this year. Well, I think getting Jordan, Jordan Danbury back adds a lot of juice to that Mississippi State argument. Uh, but looking at her numbers here, I mean, goodness, 18 points against Clemson uh, in the NCAA tournament. She was uh, she was an absolute rebel killer. I mean, that they just simply couldn't, couldn't work with her. She uh, had seven assists. I believe that was a season high against Ole Miss. It was season high against Ole Miss. Uh, it's just one of those things when you look at her, she was really kind of the straw that stirred the drink, especially on the defensive end of the floor. And now she gets a chance to come back. You know, uh, Jasmine Holmes is gone. And that's one of the things, too. Jazz went to Italy with the team uh, to kind of work with those young point guards and kind of run the show and then kind of show them how we want to run things. And now all of a sudden you find out we've got Jordan Danbury back. And so it's like, Last year, the unexpected news was, you know, Espinosa Hunter comes in, they get her eligible. Somebody somewhere, you know, whether it be Bracky Brett or, or Vic Schaefer working together in concert, uh, they're finding a way to get this women's basketball roster thing figured out. Jordan made a statement yesterday, I am grateful for the opportunity to play another year at Mississippi State while I work towards finishing my MBA. This team means a lot to me, and I'm honored and excited to get back on the court. I'd like to thank the coaches and the compliance department for helping me, as well as the NCAA for granting me another year of eligibility. Coach Vic Schaefer went on to say, I am really excited for Jordan and our basketball team today. I am appreciative of our compliance staff here for the job they did in presenting her case, and I appreciate the NCAA's findings on this. I think it's fair. Jordan has only played two full seasons in her career, what she adds to this program, this team, and university is something really special. What a blessing it is to be able to get that fourth year and be able to play on the team we currently have. This instantly impacts our program as we continue to compete for championships. Uh, end quote. And so, it's again, it shows how far we have come as a fan base that uh, this is the news that really ignites the fan base. And I remember as soon as we were, so we're all in the, let me give you a little backdrop here. So, uh, Tyler Horka from the Clarion Ledger. Uh, you know, doesn't have any family here. And recently this week, he asked if he and Ben Portnoy could borrow my jumper cables. And being being the dad on the group, you know, Dave Murray is the uh, is Uncle Dave. I guess I'm everybody's dad. I'd like to be everybody's older fraternity brother, but it, but I digress. And so I, I'm kind of I'm retrieving my jumper cables from Tyler, and then he he says, "Hey, did you see this about Danbury?" And it, it honestly, I thought it was going to be bad news. I had absolutely no idea. We were about to get good news that Jordan Danbury is going to return. And in the middle of Tyler and I talking, Brian Haydad comes walk. Hey, hey. He's yelling, did you see the good news? And I kind of joke with him. I said, yeah, Hulk Hogan's coming to Starkville. And and it, it didn't even register with him that I was messing with him. But it, it just goes to show you how excited everybody is about something like this. And you begin to think, okay, we have played for uh, two national championships in the last three years. We've won a pair of SEC regular season championships. Last year we win the SEC tournament championship and uh, you know, make it to another regional final. And you begin to look at this thing and you realize, you know, this, this thing is not going away. This women's basketball thing is, is here to stay. And, uh, and immediately on social media, people are all lit up saying, Vic Schaefer is the best coach we have ever had <laughs> in any sport. Uh, I think you can make that argument. I don't know that he's quite been here long enough, you know, to really challenge Ron Polk. But, uh, but all that said, 
we are fired up about women's hoops. And uh, getting Jordan Danbury back is so, so unbelievably huge. So let's change gears here a little bit. Uh, so we had uh, Mari Smitherman come speak with us yesterday. Uh, Mari Smitherman, people forget what a big recruiting win that was for uh, Deshae Townsend and Dan Mullen when we got him. And Smitherman has played all over the secondary, and he is a corner by trade. He ended up playing some at safety because we, you know, we simply had to have him uh, for depth. But he's really kind of come into his own. Uh, Mo was one of those guys that uh, he got to go to the podium last night, and, and traditionally it's usually under leaders of the defense, that sort of stuff. And Smitherman walks in, he's kind of grinning a little bit because usually we interview him, you know, individually. But he comes up and he's on Hell State TV and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, it's good to see good things happen to guys like him that have a strong work ethic. Terrell Buckley has told me more than once that Maurice Smitherman might be the hardest working corner in his room. And that says a lot, considering that you've got Jim Thorpe uh, nominee Cameron Dantzler in the room. Cam Dantzler says that Maurice Smitherman is the most underrated corner in the country. One of the things that we know for sure is that Cam Dantzler has great length, a great reputation, and great film. There will be a lot of people that will say, okay, let's try the Smitherman kid. I think that plays into Mississippi State's advantage. Because I think, like many of you, Mississippi State got to become a better defense last year with Smitherman in the ballgame. And again, that's not to throw shade at anybody else. But he had the opportunity to start some last year, and I think people tested him. And as a result, he stepped up and met that challenge. And now he, he is an undisputed starter. There is no question it's Dantzler and Smitherman as the first-team corners. We're going to be really, really good in the secondary. Really good. One of the things that Smitherman continues to talk about, and this has become a consistent theme as we speak to wide receivers and uh, members of the secondary, this Mississippi State secondary looks like it's going to be better than advertised. Now, many of us that have been to practice and we've observed things and we've been around the players – you know, we might have a little better handle on this than perhaps some other people because here's what happens with, uh, you know, with some of these people that are, you know, I, I want to be respectful, but there are a lot of people that are that are SEC writers that are not insiders. So what those guys do is, that, number one, there's nobody to call. You know, they, they don't have anybody they can call and say, hey, what's really going on? How has this kid looked? Whatever. What they do is they just, they just pull up uh, – they get up last year's depth chart, and they look, okay, well, they lost Jonathan Abram, and uh, he is so fun on that hard knock show. There's no way they're going to be able to replace him. No way. No way. So, And they lost Martin McLaurin. He was a senior. I, I remember the name. He's been there forever and a day. So they're going to lose uh, two safeties. There's, there's no way they're going to be any better. Oh, and then they lost Jamal Peters. And so, wow, that's three starters in the secondary uh, that are gone. So there's no way they're going to be any better. Well, let me tell you this. You know, the proof is going to be in the uh, the game day pudding. But based on what we have seen in practice, what we are hearing from Coach Bob Shoup, what we are hearing from Coach Terrell Buckley, and what we are hearing from the Mississippi State wide receivers, is this secondary looks better. Now, we've all kind of felt like, you know what, the back seven, I'll be pretty strong. We're going to be a lot faster in the secondary. And I have talked to people that have observed practice that have a much more objective viewpoint than maybe many of us do. 
and to just said, you know what, man? That Brian Collins, Aquarius Landry, those guys can really, really run. Their route recognition is off the charts. These are guys that, you know, once they identify what the receiver's doing, there's just simply sometimes nowhere to run. And when the ball is in the air, they're so quick to the football that when the ball is completed, there's not a lot of run after the catch. And so when I begin to think about that, and I begin to think about this, think about the experience you're going to have. You know, you're going to have Cam Dancer as a junior, an All-SEC All-American candidate. You're going to have a senior, Mari Smitherman. And you feel really good about that. And you begin to look at that. You're going to have two seniors in Jaquarius Landry's and Brian Cole. And those guys have been in your program now for over two years. They had the benefit of the redshirt year. They played, both of them played a little bit last year before they got banged up. And that's going to be the main thing is we've got to stay healthy. But when you begin to think about the fact that you could be better in the secondary, you're going to lose three guys and you're going to be better in the secondary, that doesn't compute a lot just based on its face. But when you begin to get inside the numbers and you realize that uh, you're going to have two of your fastest players on the team, on the field, at the same time, you begin to think, okay, well, maybe there's something to this. We continue to hear that Brian Cole has taken a huge jump as a football player. That number one, he he's grown up and matured as a as a player, as a person, as a student. You know, and there were a lot of people. People forget this. When Brian Cole was coming out of East Mississippi Community College two years ago now, the talk was. He might be a one-and-done. He's that good. Cole was a former Scout.com top 100 player. Signed on with Michigan to play wide receiver. And people thought, you know what? And and he hit like an absolute freight train when he was at Scuba Tech. And people said, you know what? This guy could be a one-and-done. He's that good. He is good enough to be a one-and-done. Well, then we have the whole, uh, you know, the, the transcript snafu. We have some guys that are – they. Uh, didn't get removed from a course, and then there was all kind of issues with that. And um, it was a paperwork error that, that was not any fault of Brian Cole or Chauncey Rivers, but they're the ones that had to pay for it, right? Well, then last year, everybody's like, you know what? Brian Cole is a, is a dude. Brian Cole's going to step up and be uh, something special this year. And we begin to see that ourselves. We begin to see Brian Cole uh, become one of the best kickoff returners in, uh, in the SEC. He uh, begins to become a great cover guy and great athleticism in the secondary. Makes a huge interception against Kentucky. And it really, at the time, it seemed like a play that could change the game. We did not capitalize on it, as you know. But just when Brian Cole was beginning to kind of realize his potential, it's just kind of a freak accident. He has a freak accident in a game against Florida where, um, if, if, if memory serves me correctly, if I'm telling the story correct, he makes a tackle on the sidelines and then in the middle of making the tackle, the other player's cleat got trapped between Brian's chest and his shoulder pads. And he had, uh, you know, a pectoral issue that required surgery. It was just kind of, it was like a one in a million type thing. And so now here we are, a redshirt year later, an injury shortened year later. And now here, here he is as a redshirt senior. And everybody, when you mention his name, and they all call him B. Cole. When you mention his name, everybody's eyes light up. Jaquarius Landry has told me a couple weeks ago 
that while it was a friendly competition between he and Brian Cole, in the back of his mind, he was always thinking, you know what, if he if he beats me out, I gotta I gotta be a reserve. I gotta be a number two guy. And that motivated him to play even harder when he got in the game. And and I've said this on this show before. I don't know that we win the Texas A&M game without Jaguarius Landrews. He was a monster in that game. I bet Kellen Mond is still thinking about Jaquarius Landrews. He was everywhere. And now you're going to have both those guys on the field together. You're going to have Jaquarius Landrews at Strong and, and Brian Cole at the at Nickel. And, as, and Landrews said they're going to be lining up on the same side so they can communicate a lot of what they see. And so I asked Murray Smitherman yesterday about you know, communication and about getting to know those guys. That's the one of the best thing about all of this is all of these guys are upperclassmen. All of these guys have a ton of snaps under their belt. And so you feel really good about the direction uh, of the secondary. From a first-team standpoint, I think they're going to be as good as anybody in the conference. And I know that's probably a hot take, but that's how I feel. I think teams, provided we can get a little bit of a pass rush, I think teams are going to struggle to throw the football against Mississippi State because I just don't think there's going to be a lot of room to throw. Now, last year, it's one of those things we're thinking, okay, if we can generate some pass rush, it'll make things easier on the secondary. I think this year we're going to pick up some coverage sacks. It's because of the fact we're going to be better at covering. I want to remind you guys, too, when you're in town, Bulldog Burger Company is absolutely the best place to go break bread. We love going there. And uh, every time I run into people up there, they think, oh, you really do come here. Yeah, that, that's correct. We do. We love going as a family. And anytime I ask our kids, where, where would you like to go? Bulldog Burger Company is always the first thing. that They want to go in there, and they want to get the appetizers. It's like it's when you, know, when you bring the kids, hey, can we get an appetizer? There's no question at Bulldog Burger Company. They just go ahead and get it. Sometimes it's fried pickles. Most of the time it's spring rolls. Sometimes it's both. Other times we'll get the wings. We've tried them all. And you should, too. And uh, what's amazing, too, is I have some of my kids, that they, they get the same thing every time, every single time. Uh, and I don't know if you know this, but those of you that know my nephew Dan, you know, Dan was everybody's favorite waiter. Dan has now moved behind the bar. He, he will make you an adult beverage while you're there. Be, be sure to say hello. Tell him that I sent you. But go by and find your own favorites. I, I'm, I'm kind of riding the Lauren train, as I told you. I, I love that hamburger. It's a, a great burger, sharp cheddar cheese, bacon, that uh, fried avocado. Can't beat it. Go enjoy yourself. Take a walk on the wild side. Go find your own favorites. Bulldog Burger Company is the restaurant closest to campus in a cotton district. Plan ahead. A lot of little time on game day to get here a little bit early so you can go by and enjoy that. You'll be glad you did. Bulldog Burger Company, a place in Starkville where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. Also spoke with Tyler Williams yesterday. Tyler Williams built a lot like Cameron Dantzler, which means he's also built a lot like Jonathan Banks. You know, and so these long, rangy corners, that's kind of in style these days. You want guys with a longer catch radius that are difficult to throw over, guys that can get their hands in passing windows, break passes up, guys that are good tacklers, and that's Tyler Williams. Now, Terrell Buckley tells me that he thinks that Tyler Williams has the potential to be just as good as Cam Dantzler before he's done at Mississippi State. And I asked Tyler about that yesterday. And I asked him about playing behind Cam Dancer. And it's one of those things, too, is when your teammates and your peers, there are a lot of guys, especially corners, you know, because corners kind of have a little bit of that air of confidence about them. You know, yes, he's your friend. Yes, he's your teammate. Yes, you all go through the same practice. But, you know, 
what has Cam kind of taught you? And I, and I was impressed with Tyler Williams' response because he is a very humble young man, or humble, however you want to say it. I always have people that tweet me about it. So he's humble. I know what humility is, but I don't want to chase that for long. But my point being is that Tyler Williams understands that there's a lot he can learn from Cameron Dantzler. And even though they're not so far removed from each other age-wise, that Cam has played a lot more snaps than he has. And so he has allowed himself to kind of set his ego aside and say, you know what, let me learn as much as I can from this guy. There's a lot of guys thinking that he might be an All-American, an All-SEC type guy. He's in the mix for the Jim Thorpe Award. So let let me go ahead and just say, you know what, let let me pay attention to how he works. Let me pay attention to the things that he does well, and let's see what I can pull away from that. Corey Charles is a guy at corner that uh, has kind of bounced around a little bit, but he had an interception in a scrimmage over the weekend, and that's one of the things that we're beginning to hear is that Corey Charles has finally kind of found a home here at Mississippi State. And I don't know if you know this, but I'm going to share this with you, that uh, before Jim Moorhead got here, there were a half dozen players that were uh, likely not going to be back. If Dan Mullen returned as our head coach that that, that spring, uh, there would likely have been some players that would have, uh, have moved on. Corey Charles was likely one of those guys. Corey Charles gets a new lease on life with a coaching change because here's the deal, and uh, I've shared this with you before, but I think it's worth repeating. Joe Moorhead stood up in a staff meeting, and I've got this on good authority, when they were having these discussions, because when Joe gets here, we're already overcommitted for recruiting class-wise because of the fact that there was going to be some roommate. There were some guys that were going to be encouraged. Hey, listen, you can hang around here, but chances are you're going to have a chance to get better playing time somewhere else. You know, that's just the reality of college football at times. And so... Joe says in a staff meeting, listen, I'm not going to get off on the wrong foot with our Mississippi State football parents. I'm not going to be the guy that shows up and just starts running kids off just so we can bring in recruits. I'm not going to base my personnel decisions based on another coach's evaluation. And so he says, oh, what? You know, we're going to give everybody a fresh start. And they did. And they go to the spring, and some guys were kind of renewed with the fact they had new position coaches, they had a new head coach, they had a clean slate. And Corey Charles has kind of taken advantage of that. And so, and I'll be honest with you, if you had told me two years ago Corey Charles would be uh, the uh, the uh, running second team corner and we would be happy with it, I don't know that I would have believed it. But he has taken full advantage of that opportunity. And Terrell Buckley will tell you, you know what, the kid has really worked hard. He has really come on. He has really, really committed himself to being a better football player. And I think a lot of times, too, when guys bounce around and move around, and I, I don't care who you are, when you you feel like you, you begin to lose your confidence when you come in, because everybody comes in here thinking they're going to, you know, they're going to be a star, you know. And then when you get out there in the drills and you realize, you know what, I, I might be the worst guy in my group. Wait a minute, why, why, why am I always going last in drills? You know, when I was in high school, I, I was the guy that everybody wanted to talk to. And nobody ever requests me for an interview. I'm not even getting on the field. And that does something different to each young man. And a lot of times it crushes their confidence. 
And so I've got a lot of respect for Corey Charles for hanging in there and bouncing from wide receiver to corner and then back to receiver and then back to corner. But if you're ever around that guy, you'll realize he kind of has that infectious smile. You can see, you know what, I don't think a lot's going to bother this kid. I think he's going to find a way to kind of root through it. And that's exactly what he's happened. And so you feel really good now about that second team group of corner. Now we're kind of working through the safety piece. And, and Bob Shube shared with us on Saturday that, you know, Landon Gidry was a guy that stepped up and had some good drills. Didn't have a great scrimmage, is what he said. Some other guys were a little bit better in the scrimmage. Uh, he's mentioned London Kraft as a guy. You know, they're, they're not scared to play a walk-on. As we saw last year, we played Stephen Adagoke some. Uh, not always the best recipe for success. But that's one thing that I will say about Mississippi State, especially Bob Shoup, is uh, he, he didn't care how many offers you had coming out of high school. He, he didn't care uh, the vehicle you used to get here. He just cares about who can make plays. And so it didn't matter if you were a five-star kid that State had to beat out the whole country for or a kid that walked on over a couple of junior college offers. If you perform in practice, you will get the opportunity to play. And that's really the one thing you look at depth-wise in the secondary. We feel great, absolutely great about our first-teamers. But what happens with that second group? Because as physical as we are, as much as we blitz the safeties, you're going to have some guys get winded. You're going to have some guys get banged up at times. And as we saw last year, you know, goodness, you know, sometimes the guys will miss some time, you know, because we play with a lot of reckless abandon. We saw both of our nickels go down last year, uh, Cole and Landrews and had to move Abram over to nickel. It was his decision to go, and it changed his life. I think he goes from being a uh, early-round draft pick to a first-rounder because he goes to nickel. But there just appears to be, you know, a rising level of confidence in that group. Uh, that's a big part of things. Uh, that's a big, big part of things. Is you've got some experience, and now the guys behind them are beginning to gain some confidence. And we've got, you know, some opportunities early in the schedule to let those guys get some reps, get some film, kind of get their feet wet again, and we'll see how things go. Spent some time speaking with uh, Kobe Jones yesterday. Uh, Kobe Jones is a guy that uh, been been patient at times. You know, and listen, he, I, I can tell you, if anybody that knows Kobe Jones will tell you, uh, he wants to be on the field every play, every game, every year, because he is a competitor. He, he wants to be out there on the field. Uh, spoke with him yesterday at length for a piece that we'll run later this week. And, he, and he's a guy that, that, again, he has a lot of confidence, especially in those defensive ends. He's, he shares with me kind of what we all hope to hear, you know, is that uh, those young defensive tackles are extremely talented. They're working exceptionally hard. And he expects them to surprise some people. Now, they've got to get some snaps under their belt. Uh, I, you know, experience is the best teacher when it comes to football. You get out there and you get your butt beat a little bit, and then you learn how to defense it. When you when you find out how people are going to block you, you find a way to overcome that. And so until they get out there and kind of see that firsthand, it's going to be interesting, you know. Uh, but Kobe says that Deke Adams has come in here and been a real teacher of technique. He said, you know, Brian Baker was a good teacher as well, but they kind of teach some different things. But he said that Deke works more with the the individual technique. He said there were a lot of times with, with Coach Baker, you know, that it was about one. We're, we're working as one unit, and this is your role in that unit. But that Deke is a little a little stronger when it comes to skill refinement. You know, things like hand placement and you know your your first step and that sort of stuff. And so 
Kobe says that you know that he he has patiently waited his turn, but he has not been very patient in practice. And what what we mean by that is is that uh, he has not stood around in drills thinking, well, it's not my time. I'm gonna let these guys do it. He has gone full out to try to get some playing time, uh, and now he is running second team and will be in a rotation right now. I would say right now, if we got ready to go play a football game today. Chauncey Rivers, Fletcher Adams are your first team DNs. And then Kobe and Marquis Spencer. And, and that hadn't been – I think early in the year, Spencer was running ahead of Adams. They're all going to basically play the same. It's one like Shupa said before, uh, you know, a quarter of starters, the guy that, that takes the first snap. But those guys are going to play pretty much an equal number of snaps. And uh, Kobe says that's one of the things they've been preparing for is that, hey, you know, listen, you're, you're going to have to play a ton of snaps. It's not going to be where you're out there, you know, playing 10, 15 snaps a ball game. You know, you're going to have to prepare yourself physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually to get out there and be take on the, you know, the, the great offensive tackles in this this great league. Uh, but Kobe shares that uh, you know that he has a lot of confidence in the guys around him, and that Chauncey Rivers has really stepped up as a leader. You know, Fletcher Adams is a guy that's been very vocal, very articulate guy. But a lot of people have shared that Chauncey Rivers has flipped a switch. And a lot of that, I believe, is because of the fact that he saw what Montez Sweat did and he saw what Joe Simmons did, and now all of a sudden he's thinking to himself, okay, this is my opportunity to go make myself some money. If I want to go play in the National Football League, I've got to go earn it this season. Kobe says he has seen a change in Chauncey. He said Chauncey's still Chauncey, but he has been more vocal. And I have had some people share with me that he's a guy that will stand up in a team meeting. He's a guy that will get up on a chair and say, hey, guys, here's what we're going to go do. Now, that's always been in him, but I think it's one of those things. You know, last year it was Jeff's team, especially on defense. It was it was Jeff and Jonathan Abrams' team. They were the kind of leaders on defense. And I think playing behind those guys and with those guys, Chauncey probably realized, you know what, this is now my turn. This is my time to step up and tell these guys, here's how we're going to do it. And so when I hear – that guys like that that we're depending on are shouldering the leadership role. That that gets me excited about this defense even more. It's one of those things that really, really excites you when you think, okay, uh, you know, a couple of years ago, some of our most vocal leaders were the younger guys. You know, when Jeff, Sim- you know, Jeff Simmons gets here and automatically, you know, because of the guy Jeff is, Jeff is already talking. Jonathan Abram shows up on campus and because of the guy he is, he's already talking. But there were some upperclassmen that were kind of lead by example types. Uh, you know, and you know, Richie Brown's one of those guys. You know, Richie was a guy that would talk a little bit. You know, Richie was kind of guys. Okay, here's how we go out, and this is how we practice. Same thing for AJ Jefferson. AJ, a lot of fun to be around, but AJ's not a guy that's going to go up there and grab somebody by the face mask and say, "Hey, get it together." That's just not. That's just not in his makeup. And so. This year, I think that it's a little different. It's kind of reminiscent of last year, is that, you're, that your stars are the guys that are doing the most talking. You know, they're doing it on the field. They're doing it in the locker room. They're being the encourager. Darrell Williams is a guy that I spoke to earlier this week. We'll run that feature later in the week as well. Uh, Darrell says, you know, about you know, putting the C on your, on your jersey, it, it, it's, there's more to it than that. There's an honor behind that, but there's a responsibility that comes with it. It's not just being the guy that walks out there for the coin flip. You know, Daryl said he understands. It's about getting the team ready to go to war. 
I don't know that Mississippi State could have picked better captains than Darrell Williams and Errol Thompson. Those guys are, are positive and consistent voices in your locker room. Daryl shares that uh, you know that this offensive line group got some talent, got some experience. It's got to kind of find some cohesiveness, some cohesion, I guess is the right word. You know, they're kind of working this thing out, and uh, you know we're done with the, the actual formal scrimmages today. We will have a bit of a a walkthrough. They'll have the dress rehearsal and a partial scrimmage. But the hay, for the most part, is in the barn. And then over the course of the next couple of days, Joe Moorhead and the staff will make some decisions. They'll kind of go ahead and put arrange the depth chart, decide who's on a scout team, decide who's on you know kick coverage teams, that sort of stuff. They'll get all that figured out, and they'll, they'll explain that to the guys on Saturday, and then they'll have team meeting on Sunday, and the next thing you know, we, we are on the grind. We are in, in season. I think guys are kind of tired of hitting each other. I think guys are ready to go play a football game. And it's weird to think about that, you know, this time next week we'll be uh, getting ready to pack the car and head down to New Orleans. Uh, I, I hope that all of you guys are going to make a trip because while many of our college football brethren will be sweating to death uh, in the uh, the late August, early September heat, uh, we'll be indoors. We'll be indoors. And I, I, and I don't know if you guys follow Stan Dora on Twitter. Maybe you should. Stan Dora, longtime Mississippi State fan, lives here in Starkville. He is a uh, kind of a weather chaser. Stan is saying that the uh, long-term models say that we're going to have a cold front come in uh, late August, early September, and we may even have highs in the 70s. And I know that I would absolutely love that. That, that, that sounds like heaven compared to what we've had here uh, the last week or so. But I hope that you guys are going to make a trip down there. And uh, Errol Thompson mentioned kind of mentioned yesterday to us that uh you know it's just time you know it's like you've gone through camp and now you're kind of finalizing some things you know classes began today and uh, the students are back and and so now you're kind of getting back into you know your game week routines and so it's no longer this us against the world mentality because you know they've had an opportunity to be here all summer and gone through summer workouts and and uh, that is one of those things that i think uh kind of gets lost in the whole student-athlete experience is that uh, they're pretty much here year-round, especially football players. They don't get to go home very often. Every so often they'll get a weekend off or they'll go home in between semesters or whatever, and they're gone for a few days and can go put their feet on their mama's table and, uh, you know, get some home cooking. But they're here year-round. And for those players, a lot of times, they're just there's not a lot that goes on in Starville during the summer. And so it gives them a chance to really focus on summer school courses or summer workouts. But now it's now it's fun time. Now everybody's back. You know, yeah, the lines are longer at Walmart, and, and uh, a lot of these kids don't know their way around town yet. Even there's not there's not a lot of ways to get lost in Starville. But all that being said, here we are. You know, it, we're here now on the cusp of a season. And uh, I would be remiss if I didn't mention everybody wants to talk about you know the suspension piece. And uh, as I shared with you guys on Monday. There's, there, nobody's going to give us any uh, confirmation on names. You know, we think we know. We've, we've got sources that tell us things. But uh, we're never going to put a kid's name out there until we're 100% certain. And so here is how I expect all this to play out. I, I expect that we'll get that sheet of paper, and then, and then those guys will be identified. And, and everybody will be able to connect the dots, okay, because you'll have some guys sus- suspended. And then – You'll come back the next week, and the same group be suspended, and so you you'll figure it out. You'll be able to connect the own dots, even without a formal declaration or a you know a press conference or anything like that. You're you're going to figure it out. 
But what I continue to hear, much to the chagrin of our enemies, the enemies of Mississippi State, is that it's only two regulars. It's two regulars. Two guys that were in, in the mix for starting roles, and then several redshirt freshmen. That, that's what I'm hearing. That's what I'm comfortable enough to say. But because of FERPA, because of student privacy, nobody is going to confirm that. But again, once we get into the season, you're, you're, you're smart enough to kind of begin to figure this stuff out. We understand there's an issue. Nobody will acknowledge that on the record. But we have worked our sources well enough to, to you know, we're not idiots, contrary to popular belief. You know, and it's it's one of those things too that I, that I read some of these criticisms sometimes of uh, of some of us on the Mississippi State media. And let, and let me share with you this. I want to make I want to make sure that people understand this. While this is a friendly beat, you got a lot of guys here that grew up in Mississippi. You got some guys that cheered for Mississippi State. Uh, ben Portnoy from the Columbus Dispatch went to Indiana. Ben Portnoy has no allegiance to Mississippi State. Ben would love to be able to break this story because that's what we do, okay? Tyler Horka, uh, contrary to the uh, Ole Miss fans' popular belief, Tyler Horka is not a Mississippi State fan. Tyler attended the University of Texas. When he gets time off, he goes back to Texas. Uh, he, he took a weekend off a while back and, and went back to Austin and hung out with some friends of his at Texas. Horka is not a Mississippi State fan. And if you look at some of the articles that, that he has written at times, I think it is evident that he is not a Mississippi State fan. Uh, I don't know that a, quote, Mississippi State fan would have written the Michael Story piece, but he did. And that's the news. He's reporting the news. The, the, the case went to trial. It was adjudicated. It was in the news again. I don't agree with how everything was handled, but that's the reality of things. So Tyler Horka is not a Mississippi State guy. I, I don't know Logan Lowry's true uh, allegiances. Uh, he, he never has really shared that with me. You know, I know Logan Lowry actually went to pharmacology school at Ole Miss. And so I say all that to say this, is that there is not some conspiracy here uh, you know, to carry the water for, for Mississippi State. There have been FOI requests filed. There have been clandestine conversations with sources, uh, not just me, but with other people. And so... There's no way that Steve Robertson could keep all this under wraps. Not only would I not be able to do it, I wouldn't want to do it. That's that's not my role in the process. I'm not one of those kind of people that uh, I feel the need to carry water from Mississippi State. Now, none of us like being able to report bad news, but the reality situation is, and it's much like some of the criticisms that I made, you know, some of the Ole Miss folks. It's like they, they would come out and say, oh, there's nothing to this. And I thought, they're going to look really foolish when all this comes out. You know, we have been very forthright with you and said, you know what, yes, there is an issue. Yes, there are several players that are going to be suspended. And I, I suspect uh, several of them for several games. But we're not going to get out here and be all willy-nilly and just start naming names based off secondhand information. Because what if we put a kid's name out there and then maligned his reputation and he's not involved? I know I, I know how I would feel if uh, you know my son played college baseball and uh, if there had been issues on their team and they had to suspend several players and people projected that my kid's name was involved in all that and he wasn't, then his reputation has been defamed. And so we're not going to come off half-cocked, and there are a lot of rumors out there, and I believe some of those are probably correct, but we're not going to get out there and name names. 
Uh, and they're like, well, I don't understand why you can't do that. You, you, first of all, you don't know what I've done. You don't know who I've talked to. You don't know what paperwork I've filed. You don't know what requests that I've made. You, you don't know what phone calls I've made. We have worked this till we're blue in the face. And I shared with Mike Nemeth months ago that we wanted to be the ones to break this story. We have worked and worked and worked and worked. And there is nobody anywhere that won't talk on the record. They're just not. There are people to throw you a bone every now and again just because they like you. And, and I think sometimes they give it to us just to shut us up. But people talk. The difference between us and this, a typical message board poster is if we come out here and we put a name out there, there's, just, there's a certain amount of credibility. That, that There's an expectation of credibility. If we say it, then just some guy you know, on a message board. And I'm not being critical of those people. I'm just saying it's that you know you guys can afford to speculate. We can't. And so we are, I can assure you, we at Gene's Page, we are not in the jug uh, trying to keep our, our head in the sand here and, and act like nothing's happening. We have I've talked about it on this show numerous times. I talked about it on Bo Bounds this morning. I have uh, shared my thoughts and feelings about this with several people. We have talked about it openly on a Gene's Page message board. We're not looking to hide anything. I can assure you we would love nothing more than to be able to report the facts of this situation today. I would write that story today, name names and everything, if we had facts. But we don't. And so we're kind of in the dark, and, and, and our right to know, our desire to know, is often you know, superseded by the fact of a right to privacy. And when it comes to student privacy, that's going to be held paramount, as it should be. But you're going to figure it out. You're going to, you're going to figure it out. You know, and then... Uh, and, and let me share with you, you guys that there are so many people that um, it's not as bad as it used to be, but like uh, there'll be these screenshots and people want to say, hey, this guy said this about you and, and this about you. And, and here's the all I will say to that. Uh, I, I, first of all, I don't, I don't really care. I find it humorous. I really do. And uh, people say, well, you know, look at how he dresses and all that kind of stuff. And, and I, let me tell you this. My, my best friend in the world is a guy named Ernie Turner. And uh, some of you guys may not know that, but Ernie and I grew up together in Columbia, Mississippi. And so Ernie had uh, he had a receding hairline when he was about 18. And he hung on to it, hung on to it. And, uh, you know, one time he even added a rat tail, you know, that's back in our clubbing days and sort of stuff. You know, it's just, it's just silliness. Well, as we have aged, uh, Ernie lost his hair. And uh, for a long time, he kind of tried to keep uh, the Mr. Burns thing going. He was like a young Mr. Burns. And I used to tell him, I said, dude, what are, what are you hanging on to? Just shave it. Just do it. You'll, you'll look better just shaving your head. Just do it. I said, you know, there are a lot of women that like bald-headed men. Just, you know, go ahead and shave it. And so he did. And so when he began shaving his hair, I began growing mine out. And it kind of became a bit of a troll between us because he is my best friend. I liked the fact that I could still grow these luxurious locks, and he couldn't. And so I let my hair grow. And, uh, you know, when I was younger, I always had long hair. You know, when I, especially when I got out of high school and I was paying my own bills, you know, I didn't have to have somebody tell me, hey, you're going to get a haircut. And uh, I've shared with you guys before some of the biggest mistakes I've made in life are haircuts, so I stopped getting them. And so I look like this, and I dress like this, and I act like this because this is what I choose to do. This is how I choose to act. This is how I choose to look. And my hope is, is that you feel the same level of freedom that you can act and look and choose to do whatever you want to do. 
This is America. We've got the right to, to look like complete idiots if we want to. I do not live my life for the approval of other people. I just don't. And uh, I am not insecure enough in myself that I need the validation of my enemies. I mean, it just it simply doesn't matter. Their opinion doesn't matter to me. Their thoughts of me are irrelevant to me. I simply do not care what they have to say. Not to mention the fact, if you want to go check the stats, I mean, and, and, and I'm encouraged to do that. Go, go check the stats. When, when the game was on the line, when there was a huge story to be told, I told the story just as I'm telling you this one. And people would say, well, you know, he said some things that weren't true. You know what? There's some things, there are times that people tell you that are source reports and they don't work, always work out. But more to the point, too, is people always want to discredit you because they don't like what you have to say. Not, not based on what, because what you're saying is incorrect. They just want to discredit you because they don't like you. I, I have learned to live with that. I have alligator skin now. And so when, some, when somebody who absolutely botched their coverage of the story of their career uh, has something to say about me, I just take it as sour grapes. Why, why should I be concerned uh, when I'm their daddy? And so that's how I choose to live my life. And, and again, I hope that you guys feel the same level of freedom that uh, you don't need external validation from people that are never going to like you at any point in your life anyway. No matter what you do, no matter what you say, it'll never be good enough for some people. And so I just elect to be free, man. That's just what I'm going to do. You know, I'm just I'm just going to be free. I'm going to continue to bring you guys the news. We're going to continue to to uh, to hopefully have big years on all sports uh, fronts at Mississippi State, and we're going to continue to write books, and we're going to share that with you. We're going to tell the Mississippi State story. And uh, I can't remember who it was that said it. But I actually heard Eddie Vedder from Pearl Jam reference this at a show in New Orleans many moons ago when he said, living well is the best revenge. And, uh, and that's kind of what I choose to do. A lot of people out there, they don't like me, and, and that's cool. You know, Again, I've just found that if, if you're successful and you don't let those people impact you, then you know, the, the happier you're going you're gonna to be. And, and that, that's what I try to do. And so I encourage you to do the same. We're going to be back on Friday, and we'll kind of preview some high school football. We'll look ahead uh, to college football season, and, and we're, we expect Saturday that Joe Moorhead might name a starting quarterback. So we'll talk a little bit about what we've learned between now and then. We'll meet with coaches later today and kind of share the outcome of that meeting with you as well. Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we'll make more friends and enemies, and people can see a difference in the way we live.